Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Before we get started, let's, uh, let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Father, help me. Father, help us. Father, thank you for the invitation that you give each one of us. We don't deserve it, but you give it. You give it every day. Father, thank you for your son Jesus that came in this world to speak in parables that we can understand. That any words that may come out of my mouth be something that could fall on someone's heart. Because they're your words in your time. Thank you for a university that we can talk like this anytime we really want to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, the parable. Um, basically, the parable of the great feast, the great banquet. Um, what does this have to do with the kingdom of God? Because that's the bottom line with this. What does this have to do with the kingdom of God? So let's set the stage a little bit. Uh, kind of have to back up a little bit in, 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 verse, uh, in chapter 14. Um, Jesus had been invited to a banquet uh, by the Pharisees at dinner. So di- Jesus just kind of just sitting there, I- I'm imagining, just studying a little bit and getting some counseling from Dr. Goss. Uh, Harold and Chris Hunsberger. I think Jesus just sitting here, been invited to this banquet, this feast by this Pharisee, religious ruler at the time, or leader. And, you know, he's already, he healed a sick man, and he kind of went right at the Pharisees with their laws and go, Is it, should we work on the Sabbath? Can I heal a man on the Sabbath? So he got that started pretty quickly. And then he told a few other parables as he's just sitting there watching the guests come into the banquet or come into this dinner. So I think this kind of leads up to a lot about food and banquet and all that kind of stuff. But I think he's just taking it all in. So he tells a couple of parables. And if we'll back up just one scripture verse to verse 15, which I think kind of kicks off the parable that we're going to focus on since that's the time we have. Um, in verse 15, after I think there, there's a man just kind of watching Jesus, I think. Uh, he, he, he watches him heal a guy that's sick uh, on, on the Sabbath day. He, he's heard him tell a few stories. And this, this guy's got to be thinking, wow, this, this, sounds, this sounds pretty good. The, the, the kingdom of God, this sounds pretty good. He says, when one of these who recline at the table, this is obviously a Luke talking here in 15, with him, heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So this man sees all that, and he said, Blessed is everyone that will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So he's seeing this, and he's got to be, man, this is a good thing. I want to do that. I, I want a part of that. Then Luke says that Jesus said, but he said. And I think Jesus is going like, okay, you sure you want to eat in my kingdom? You sure you want to come to my table and serve me? Let me tell you what that may be about. It may not be exactly what you think. Um, So he starts by trying to explain it in the parable. So I think the kingdom of God, God wants us to experience 
his joy. That's what he wants. That's, that, I think that's why he created. He wants us to experience his joy here for a little bit. Obviously, eternity. And there's a lot that goes into that. And not all of us want to do that. I know and I didn't want to do it a lot. Don't want to do it every day necessarily. But he wants us to experience his joy and his kingdom. And there's really only one way to do it. He wants it all. He wants it all. Period. And it, it, it's so joyful and filling and sincere and full what he has to offer that it makes all these other relationships almost pale in comparison. So he starts the story here. Jesus is telling the story. This man that had a great feast invited a bunch of people. So he's invited a bunch of people. They know when it is. They know when the dinner is. Okay. So when it's ready, when the chairs are set, the table's set, the food's ready, he sends his servant out and goes, go tell them it's ready. Go tell them to come. I'm ready for them. So I think this is obviously the parallel of, of, of God saying, I've prepared this great feast. I want you to come into my kingdom. I want you to experience the joy of this feast. It's ready now. He sends his son, the servant, Jesus Christ, to go tell everybody. And then we come up with, we all come up with three excuses, basically. I think Jesus ties it in to roughly three excuses. So he's got this big bank. What everybody knows, when it is, what it is. So he sends out his messenger, the servant, to let him know it's ready. I bought a farm. I got to go see it. I've got to go work it. I got to go tend to it. That's the first excuse. That's work. I think that's our work. Second excuse was I bought five yoke of oxen. I got to go examine them. I got to go check them out. That's our possessions that we have. Um, the third was I've got a wife, got a family, can't come. Can't serve in the kingdom of God. Can't do it. These things I'm doing first. Servant reports back. The king's angry. Not very happy. You can imagine. I can only imagine if I told our team we got a meeting two months in advance and then everybody says they can't come. I'd, I'd probably be angry too. God's angry because he prepared. He let them know he sent his son to tell them it's ready. And they come up with these three excuses. Um. And Jesus is upset. I mean, God is, is upset and angry. And I think about, because he wants us to experience his joy. I mean, he wants us to experience it every day. Not just in eternity. He wants you to experience it now as a freshman, now as a senior, as a, as a, as a coach. He wants you to experience it now. He wants that so bad for us that he is willing to send his only son to die to pay for it. And this is what we come up with. We do it. Me, as the greatest of these, do this. We, we come up with excuses. I think he's, he's, he's later he's kind of getting ready to explain the cost of discipleship. And we go down just a couple of verses and start in 26. And I'll read this briefly because I think it explains what Jesus really wants. And how we got to do it if we want to have the joy. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, that, that's real. So I, I think he had been talking a lot in parables and then now he gets the good stuff that maybe not everybody wants to hear. And yes, even his own life. If you must hate your own life, 
he cannot be a disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's how Jesus says you got to be in the kingdom. You've got to put even a meaningful work. You've got to put even good possessions. You've got to even put your family. It's going to pale in comparison in terms of relationship to what God can give us, the joy in the relationship that he wants us to experience today, tomorrow. That's, that's, that's how that works, I think. So the first one is, is work, is school. It's like God wants it all. He wants you to start with him. I know for me, in my work as a college coach, I would be like, okay, after the season, I'm going to get right with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the Word, and I'm going to enjoy a Bible study, and, and I'm going to pray more after the season's done. So God, you can have, I'll give you that, okay, after the season. I've done that. After July recruiting, we're all over the place, we're calling recruits and trying to talk your wonderful kids into coming to this wonderful place. When I'm done with that, I'll, I'll, I'll give you what I've got, but not to then. It's just, it's busy. It's my excuse. It doesn't work. It's not good things happen when you do that, even though work is good. Second thing's possessions. Your house, your car, clothes. Me and Matt were talking about a switch with socks. You know, we like them, we want them. They're good things. If that gets in the way at all, it's not a good thing. If it hinders us, if your smartphone, your tablet, your iPad, it all hinders you from getting into the Word and, and spending time with Him and having a quiet time, you should hate it. You should hate it. How many pick up the phone, your iPhone, check Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? I know there's more. Um, just for social things, ESPN apps, scores, tweets. How many pick that up and spend time with that and scroll over that more than you do picking up the Word and reading what God can say to us each day? I do. I do that. When I do that, it's not good. It's not really a good day. God hates that. That's not how He wants us to experience joy. We're cheating ourselves when we do that. But I do that. The third excuse is our family, which is very important. And specifically our spouse, specifically our wife. And I love what it says here. Jesus is, when Jesus speaks, it's really, I mean, I know they put it in red letters and that's important. But when he speaks, it means something. If you notice when Jesus, he's talking in this parable. Jesus now, it's not necessarily Paul or Luke. Jesus says, you know, as he's doing this parable and trying to make a point to these people, he goes, you've um, got a farm, you've got to go tend to the farm, you've got to go work the farm, that's your job. That's what Jesus said. Jesus says, you know, for, for illustration, you bought five yoke of oxen, you've got to go examine them, you've got to go check them out, your possessions, your house, your car. But Jesus says, i got a wife, i got to go. There's no explanation. There's no, let me explain why I have to go. The wife texts, the wife calls, husband texts, you got to go. I, I think as much as, as we know about marriage and stuff, Jesus in this little simple thing, as he's talking about the kingdom of God, we got to get everything lined up. 
He's making a point when, when your wife needs you, you serve her. You don't, you don't owe anybody an explanation. She doesn't owe you one. You just go. I haven't done that really well. But it speaks to, hey, I got to go. Any man in this room that's married probably knows what I'm talking about. That's, that's saying she's first. You serve her. She's first. God and then her. When you don't do that, not good things are going to happen. It's just not. It's not right. I, I, that spoke to me as much as anything when we're reading through this, the different excuses that we make. Young men that hopefully one day you're going to get married. You get a wife, you got to go. You get a wife, you just can't come sometimes. You don't owe anybody an explanation, and she doesn't owe you one of why you need to be there. Okay, you may have to explain to some people, you got, I got work. You may have to, some people got to go tend to your car. But when your wife needs something, you go. Not done that well either. So Jesus is telling the story of how the three things that kind of sums up why we don't, we make excuses not to do that, not to, not to, to enjoy the joys of the kingdom of God. So how do we do that? So how do, how do we try to put him first? How do we surrender everything? that we have, put away all of our selfish desires, how do we do that? You pray. You get alone with God. And you pray. You pray for the faith that can change your heart. You pray Psalms 51 as loud as you can, as softly as you can, when nobody's around, out in the dorm, by yourself, wherever, and you ask God, God created me a pure heart. Oh, God, a steadfast love. Create in me a pure heart, oh, God. That's what you pray for. In 1 Timothy 1, 5, Paul says the aim of our charge. That's what we're doing here as Christians. What, what's our charge? We all have one. Every sports team, you got to go. You got to charge. aim of our charge is love. How do we love somebody when we don't feel like it? That's going to happen too, Okay. In any relationship, how do I love someone? The aim of our charge is love. How do you do that? That issues through a pure heart. Well, how do we get a pure heart? We pray. Issues through a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Faith that you pray, that you spend time in the Word, God will speak to you. Faith that if you pray and you pray for a heart, a changed heart, a tender heart, God will give it to you in time. You may go, have to go through something ugly. You may have to go through something painful. It's doing something. It can change your heart. You pray. So you have the heart to do that. So you have a desire to put God first, and you don't come up with these excuses. I know for me, if, if I'm not in the Word each day and Him trying to speak to me and pray to me and godly men that are in my life, I got no chance during the day. All three of these excuses are going to be me in each day so it goes on in the later in the parable talks about the poor the crippled the lame go invite them those are the ones during that time it really didn't deserve to be invited to something like this like this kind of dinner but that's us the sinner that's you that's me we don't deserve this invitation to this Wonderful banquet. We don't. And if we're way, if this, if, if what we do and what we're going to do today and what we do tomorrow, 
uh, helps us get an invitation. God help us. God help me. This ain't going to happen. It's a gift. God's grace, a costly grace that we have been invited to the joys that he can show us. A costly grace that costs someone their life. Because his only son, his life, that he died, his blood was shed, he resurrected, so you could be invited. So Mike Morris, the broken sinner he is, could be invited to this feast. And all I have to do is surrender and say yes. I don't have to repay anything. Psalms 51, 17, my sacrifice is a broken spirit, broken and contrite heart that God does not despise. I stole this quote, but I thought it was pretty good from, and I'll end with this. As we're talking about feasts and banquets, and calf will be open here pretty soon. To enjoy the rare taste of God's table, we must stop stuffing our stomachs with a local cuisine. If you're trying to feel happiness, only a joy that can come from a relationship with God, it's sometimes hard to explain. We meet every Thursday and we try to figure it out. We, we're not too close to it. I don't know. But we, it, we know what it feels like. If you're trying to fill that with anything else, it just doesn't work. Even good stuff, family, jobs, things, even good stuff. I tried it that way. Still fight that. These are things I think we've got to do daily. Talks about our daily bread. Each day, spend time in the Word, get to know God, get to know His Word, because these excuses are going to be there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the invitation to your banquet. Thank you for the invitation to your kingdom. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. There's nothing we can do, but thank you for the grace, the costly grace that you've just bestowed so we can have the invitation to your banquet. Father, I pray for each student, each person in this room, um, that we'll get to know you, that I'll get to know you better every day. In Jesus' name we pray. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.